I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. Very welcome to episode 150 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren, I'm your host, and I'm joined by somebody who I'm really excited to have a chat with. He is one of the most phenomenal photographers in Ireland, and I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Felix. How are you getting on, man? Hi, Darren. How are things? Thanks very much for, for having me on. Oh, uh, thanks many for coming here. on, man. Yeah, do you know what? I'm excited now to have the chat with you. I know we spoke about it during the summer, and I said, you know what? I'll give you an opportunity to give the spoils to uh to bg after you winning your uh, recent competition so i'm really excited to learn more about that as well and more importantly learn more about your photography journey anyway so far so um yeah what's the story with you at the moment no storm we're, we're recording this on the monday before the uh storm barra arrives in ireland so no storm no wind up with you and you in galway at the moment no no it's grand grand here in Galway. literally the, the, the camp before the storm but yeah we'll see yeah. see what it's like tomorrow yeah, I'd say, no, it's going to be pretty insane, I think, in the whole region of Kerry and Cork, anyway. So we'll get the, the, the most West, of it yeah, down we'll here. Get the, yeah, get the blunt yeah. of it anyways. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I suppose, look, you know, before we even get into all the details, let people know, who is Felix? Um, so, yeah, my name is Felix. I'm living in Galway. I'm originally from from Mayo. Um, yeah, I've been in Galway now for, for a couple of years. Um, my stuff. parents are originally from Germany. That's why the the German name with mm-hmm. the Irish mm-hmm. accent. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I grew up grew up in Mayo. I studied marine science. So I'm into the outdoors, fishing, hiking, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, basically picked up a camera to kind of take a few a few pictures of the places I was seeing when I was in the outdoors, and it just kind of went on from there. And the rest is history, so they say. Yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of alluded to there at the beginning, and I suppose I want to have a chat with you about your recent uh, accolade. So tell us, during the summer, June, you won a prestigious award. What was it? Yeah, it was the, uh, get the, get the name right, that's the, the trickiest bit about World, <laughs> World Landscape Photographer of the Year 2021. Wow. wow. So, wow. yeah. No, I still still can't believe it fully now, to be honest. It feels like ages ago at this stage. Yeah, you're still uh, pinching yourself every day, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't. It still doesn't feel right. But well, uh, do, you know, do you know what? Right, I tell you one thing. I mean, you know, I would, number one, I was delighted that you won it. Uh, I was delighted that somebody from Ireland had won it, and I was delighted that Ireland, being the landscape, was the landscape that won it as well. And I mean, even your image that you took. You know, I know when you were talking on, on, on Bernard's uh, podcast in relation to it and going into a lot of detail, and actually, if somebody hasn't heard that, you know, full fresh off the, the block story in relation to winning it, I'll put a link in the description so people can go listen to that great conversation. But that being said, you know, the image, it does resonate in so many different things. And I remember listening when you were talking to Bernard and you were like, Jesus, yeah, now that I hear people talking about it, I can see the amount of detail that people get out of the image and what you had within the image. But maybe just, I suppose, describe to people what was the story with the image that you took uh, and how did you get that image? And then obviously just uh, winning the award, I think, is the kind of the cherry on the cake. But describe the image to the listeners. Yeah, so it was last winter. 
uh, during one of the storms that we got there and I headed down to, well, I was down in Doolin a couple of times and on this day anyways, I headed down and it was one of your typical winter storms and it was freezing cold and wind and rain and waves and all that. Um, so I basically had been there a couple of times, but I basically saw it from a new angle mm-hmm. and I decided to, to shoot it from there. Basically the waves crashing against the, the Doolin cliffs and you had the little old cottage in the background leading up towards the, the cliffs of Moher, which are kind of way back in the background. And there was waves crashing against the cliffs and bouncing back out um, and bouncing into the next wave. And there was like the wind blowing the waves over the cliffs and these little little waterfalls, little streams in the back then that are getting blown black, back over the cliff, kind of creating upward waterfalls and all sorts of things. Class. Um, so yeah, just that kind of typical winter stormy thing. And it just kind of brings everything together as well, I feel. You got a bit of a bit of everything there. You have a bit of mood, but also a bit of light, and yeah, and a lot of action, a lot that's of it. movement. And like, remember when I first looked at the image, Felix? I went, "Wow, look at that! That's action, Nick. That's a winter storm." But like, you have waves upon waves upon back crashing waves, and everything just so so great comes together in the image. I love the image, and I was delighted. You know, it's like I said from the outset that somebody from Ireland won it, but. Like even since winning it now, you you just received your prize, which was a Nikon Z7 Mark II, I believe. Yeah. And you also had a, a lens and everything else that you got as part of fantastic prize. But Unreal, I presume yeah. you you've gone out and you've used your uh, your your prize a lot now since June, have you? Um, a good bit. I actually haven't been out too much now during the during then because to be honest, I haven't been too motivated, or I find it hard to find find the motivation to go out and go out and shoot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So actually, I haven't been out too much now. Slowly, it's kind of starting to come back again. Um, but yes, maybe just in the summer too, you might have them kind of bland conditions where sunrise is is so so early and sunset is so late. You don't really go out for them, and there's nothing too too special happening. Whereas mm-hmm. now, the last few few weeks, months, we've had a bit of autumn colours, which is nice, and starting to get a few storms on the coast again. A bit of snow in the mountains. So all them kind of fun things are starting to come back. But yeah, to be honest, I've been out a good few times, but I haven't really been hugely motivated to, to shoot too much. Um, and also the, the editing part, I feel like my laptop isn't fully fully ready for the, the what is it, 48 megabyte files on the mm-hmm. Z7 II. Mm-hmm. So that's been, mm-hmm. been slow at the best of times. But yeah, even with the, the bigger files, it's been even slower. But I'm looking to sort that out. With a bit of gas and get a new laptop. <laughs> no Christmas time. Uh, the old so gas is good, boy. The gas is good. We all need a bit of gas. We do, and that's you with more gas in, the, in this term now because I need like that. I need the new laptop to to process the files. Uh, but yeah, I, since then I've been doing a bit of shooting here and there, but nothing nothing too mad. Well, no, we're going back into the winter season, which would be your favourite time. So I'm sure, you know, you'll get out a lot more. And I think even with that in mind, like you want it in the summertime, you're kind of still probably getting your hands used to it. You had a D750 beforehand. So I imagine you kind of had a bit of muscle memory built up from using the Nikon ecosystem anyway, did you? Yeah, yeah. I didn't feel that, like there was much, much difference there in terms of handling the menus and all that are all the same. Right. There's a few okay. nice, a nice a few little features that kind of are nice upgrade to have like you wouldn't really think of it that you need them too much but it's just all them little bits that make us make it nice like the touch screen and there's a counter as well um i don't know why they've only put this in now but if you're doing whatever 200 second exposure whatever you have a little countdown thing at the top and all them kind oh, of nice 
you can nice. go up to 900 seconds instead of just the usual 30. So yeah, just the, the little things like that. Mm, for sure. Nice. Yeah. And and tell me, I suppose, since winning the prestigious award then, what's happened since? I know you were talking with Bernard and that, you know, people had been reaching out to you and you were on RT News and such like that. Has there been more stuff like that since June or was it the peak of winning it or has anything interesting happened, I suppose, since June and now? Yeah, no, that was that was the peak. I was going to say it was not over within a week, but I'd say the majority of it was in the first week or so. Um, and then, yeah, maybe a bit a bit after that when people saw it here and there and other places. But yeah, since then, I haven't really, really heard much much about the competition or anything from it like mm, mm. So, For yeah, ne- next year now when it rolls around again you know you'll be rolled out as the reigning champion and uh yeah we gotta go we gotta try and beat you next year i think do we that's it yeah you'll have a you'll have a good chance anyways beating me that's not too hard so. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know man with bangers like that you know what i mean you you phenomenal shot that you'd enter into it and i think again like i say you know if you want to hear the full story behind that uh have a listen to the excellent podcast that you did with bernard and i'll put a link into the uh description below in relation to that yeah but it's probably t- easier just to, to, to listen to that instead of us talking about it here for another half an hour before we get into into yeah. everything else we get we get into the nitty gritty, and I suppose speaking of nitty gritty, let's bring it all the way back, right? So you said you know you're an outdoor guy, you love being in the outdoors, and then you had your camera to take some images. Is that how you got started in photography, or did you have a camera in your hand from a young age? When how did you get started? Yeah, well, I properly started. I got probably seven years ago, or so whenever I got my first DSLR. Um, but the more I think about it, it kind of probably started way before that. I remember right. getting this little film camera when I did my uh, confirmation or something and having that and taking pictures. And I remember going to Dublin Zoo one one day and I took a picture, I'd say, of all the animals and had a little notebook and wrote down which ones I, I took a picture of. Nice. Some of them were absolutely tiny. You wouldn't even know what it is, to be honest. Right. Um, but I took a picture of it nonetheless. I was obviously no, no skill or anything like that. It probably cost a bomb of money then to get developed in the, developed, in the local yeah. pharmacy. Yeah. Um but that kind of seems one of my earliest kind of memories of, of having a camera and then I've I used to have a little point and shoot camera, but I don't know, would I even take it on holidays? I'd take the odd picture here and there. And then it slowly only got into it then when uh when the GoPros came out. I right. got one I got one of them to use for like snorkeling or ski skiing, snowboarding, surfing, all them kind of things, kind of the water activities. Because I just kind of thought it was cool to have something that you could, whatever, bring underwater. Um, so I'd say that's where it kind of started uh, properly. And then from there, I kind of wanted to capture pictures like, you know, where you see the milky water. Um, mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know how exactly that worked. or I knew it was a long exposure or the car trails, all them kind of things that you can kind of do with a regular camera. Mm-hmm. So that's why um, I ended up getting a DSLR, like a D3200 Nikon. Um, so I nearly I nearly turned into a cannon shooter as well because <gasps> I kind of looked into it and I, I was going to get like whatever the, the entry level um, the entry level cannon I think it was yeah like the a, 1000D or something like that something like that so I asked Santa for, for one of them anyways and when Santa went to the shop they had the Nikon on offer with the <laughs> 18 to 105 lens and a, and a little bag with it so right. Santa went and went with the offer and the memory card as well and yeah, since then now I've been shooting Nikon. And, and actually, you know, that's that's interesting, though, right? Um, because they they say that people 
you always kind of continue on with the first camera that you've gotten. So you, as you say, you know, Nikon. For me, it was Canon, and I just stuck with Canon. Yeah. But then you start looking at Sony, and Sony wasn't there when Nikon, you know, Pentax, Fuji, uh, and all the old names were around. Mm. So, like, what I know now, you you know a number of guys that would shoot with Sony, but did you ever think about moving over to Sony? Or are we always going to be, no, I'm a Nikon guy, and I'm going to stick with Nikon? Um, I, I'm trying to think now. I've I've went through a few cameras now. I've I've killed one and damaged one and stuff <laughs> like that. Do, yeah. So <laughs> I that was kind of just before I think Sony properly came onto the scene. So I think right. there was probably a time, probably a year, a year ago maybe, when I did consider moving to Sony, just because it would have been kind of costly enough to kind of move to mirrorless Nikon, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously lenses. They still work, but you need the adapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, the D750, it's kind of getting to a bit of an older stage. Obviously, it's still a great camera. I won the, won the competition with it, and mm-hmm. I still have it now and, and shoot with it every now and again. But yeah, there probably was a time there where it would have, would have worked out to move to Sony if I was moving from, from the mirror to the mirrorless camera anyways. But yeah, I think at this stage with all the lenses and stuff like that, and that's there's exactly not it, yeah. too much difference anyways between all the different brands at this stage. Like it's just whatever menu you kind of like and what you're used to. I agree. You know what? There's no such thing as a bad camera now these days. Every single no. camera is phenomenal. But like you nailed it there, I think, is in relation to the lenses and the glass because, you know, you can change your camera body, but your glass can last you from a number of iterations of a camera body. So I'm sure, like even with the lenses that you would have, you know, from your D750, yeah, with an adapter, you can use those on the the, the Z series as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I only recently got well, kind of within the last year, um, a 14 to 24 Sigma f 2.8, nice and a Tamron 100 to 400. Nice. Um, so I kind of had them quite quite recently. Um, so I probably keep them as well for for quite a few years, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then yeah, I got the twenty four to seventy f two point eight with the camera, um, and then I just got an adapter which the two lenses work work perfectly on, um, so I'm fairly fairly sorted from that aspect on it. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and you know it what? Worked out, it worked out great as well that it ended up being a Nikon for the competition. Like if it would have been a, a Sony <laughs> or say it. a yeah. Canon that I won, it would have been a, a bit of a trickier decision to make. <laughs> I was just going to say it. Aren't you haunted? No, as well, you know, that, that as you said, that was handy. I needed a new yeah. camera. Just so happened to be a Nikon. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> I can't get away from it now at this stage. Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And tell me, you know, in all the times then that you've been um, taking photos and such like that, and then, you know, as you said, like, you know, taking photographs of animals and plants and such like that. Have you tried yourself? Have you tried other styles or genres of photography or was it landscape that you were always attracted to and stuck to? Um, I think at the start when I got the DSLR, it was more or less anything that I could get a hold of. I was living in, in Galway and I was in college here. I didn't have a car. So I just went basically all around town and doing car trails of just car driving by, like just stupid gotcha. stuff like yeah. that. Now, when I look back at it, um, I only really properly got into landscape then when I moved to Donegal for work and I had a car and I was able to go out and all that. Right. Um, so apart from, yeah, just kind of everything to do with the outdoors, um, like whatever, Astro and all that, I haven't done too much. I've done, I've gone to the odd um, Connacht rugby match and took a few pictures there of the rugby matches or even when I played up myself up in Donegal. Um, if I wasn't playing or anything like that, I'd, I'd bring the camera and take a few pictures. But 
nothing kind of to the extent that I've done, say, the outdoor photography. Mm, mm. And if somebody, do you ever get anybody ever ask you, like, you know, come and take pictures there of, uh, I don't know, communion, confirmation, christening, wedding, or anything like that? Does yeah. anybody ever ask you that because they know you've got a camera and you're an award winning photographer, by the way? Exactly. Yeah, you always kind of get them. It was a wedding last year, but. I tell people I take pictures to to get away from people, not to take pictures of people. So they usually understand then when I tell them that. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as that. You know, I often say like I don't have to pose a rock. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you try and get people involved in it, and it's I think it's a nightmare. I couldn't do it. I yeah. couldn't. You know, I wouldn't be able to handle it. Like, um, and I suppose then with that in mind, what is it in about the landscape that you you love so much? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of getting getting out there. I think the great thing about photography, it kind of gets you out there when you normally wouldn't or definitely wouldn't be out there. Like, um, mm. if I wasn't taking pictures, there'd be no way I'd be out there for sunrise just to just to be there, kind of a thing. So it's kind of great mm-hmm. that way that it kind of the photography gets you out there, but also then like the, the landscape is it's nice to be out there as well at the same time, which kind of the two of them kind of piggyback off each other. And you're just kind of getting that um, experience that you normally wouldn't wouldn't get, I'd say. That's kind of I cool. fully agree with you. You know what? There's a lot to be said for what the landscape photography can do, particularly from your own mindset and mental health. You know, I mean, you get out, you're in the fresh air, you've nobody annoying you. You're it's you at nature. You could be by the coast, you could be in the woodland, you could be anywhere. And I think with that in mind, it fuels the soul as far as I'm concerned. Are you similar to that? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, it's nearly like you just get away. You forget about everything. It's nearly like a, a meditation or something like that because you're just forgetting about everything else yeah. that, that you could be thinking about and you're just concentrating on something so simple. Like even if you, if you think about like nearly something silly, like taking a picture of something tiny, but you're just fully in the moment and you're not thinking about all the other stuff that you that you could be thinking about. And people would pay a fortune for therapy to do the same sort of thing. No, mind you, photography isn't cheap either, so it does cost to you say a fortune. It, it right? evens out then when you, when you count the gear, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've often said a thousand times before, I hope that when I die that my wife doesn't sell my camera gear for what I told her it cost me. Yeah. Because that is going to be a problem, you know. It's, it ain't cheap, but at no. the same point, it's, it's, it's you know what, it's so good. I mean, you've obviously seen it yourself, you know, you could be off out. You have a million and one things going through your head and you go off out and before you realize it, you go, what was in my head? I can't remember. And it's no longer, it becomes trivial, you know, and you might find the solution to the problem as well as right under your nose when you stop thinking about it. And that's yeah. the big, best thing I love about it, you know. You also have the, the aspect then when you, when you have the finished pictures and people see them and they, they enjoy them, of having that enjoyment from other people as well, which mm-hmm. obviously look at it as well and might even have the same effect on them as you mm-hmm. had when, they're sh- when you're shooting it, that they're kind of, not thinking about something else then they're just looking at the, the picture and how nice it is and all that or how bad and, it is <laughs> well you know what i mean every single thing i think you know every 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 image we look at either be our own or somebody else's it will have some sort of an effect it'll either be wow jesus where's that or that's a great shot or you might look at it and go Ugh, whatever but even still it has an effect because you're looking at colors you're looking at nature you're looking at something that is you know passing you by for a split second for me, I think, you know, the biggest and most enjoyable part of it is that when you take an image that you might go, okay, I like that. It's not my greatest, but I like it. But it resonates with other people and they go, geez, that's a great shot. Yeah. Is it? You and, know, and, and even if they then want to hang it up on the wall, like that's even even more even better achievement yeah. or even nicer. Even like better. People like it so much that they want to have it hanging in their wall and make their home nicer. 
fully, fully agree. And like, you know, we're very, very lucky here. I mean, you're very lucky in where you're living as well. I mean, you know, Mayo, beautiful area, Galway, beautiful area, but the whole of area of Ireland, I think, is phenomenal. We've got so many beautiful places on our doorstep. And it's a conversation I know I've had in the podcast and I've had with Bernard a number of times as well, is that like I think Ireland is pretty much the kind of the hidden gem per se in relation to what we have on offer here. Tell me a bit about where you have and what's your playground where you around where you live. Yeah, geez, where where do I start? Like there's there's so much um here on like you know basically the, the full west coast, but Mm-hmm. Yeah, here especially now in in Galway, I've been work out in Kutamara, so I'm out there quite a bit, and like it nearly nearly said, kind of has it all. It has the mountains, it has the sea, it has forests, waterfalls, everything like dark skies. So you could you could spend the rest of your life just shooting out there, and also it seems like especially a lot of places in Ireland, there's still so much kind of unexplored, yeah, um, compared to to other places that are like whatever Iceland it feels like there's been so much shot there and you've seen the scene pictures over and over whereas here in Ireland like you just go down this little road and you see so many things that you've never seen a picture of before um so yeah we're so so lucky to be living here in Ireland and especially like on the west coast or along the coast anywhere really there's always a few mountains about and all that so it's yeah it's great of course and and speaking of Connemara I mean you know Pine Island Derry Clare Lock that place is just magical, magical. I know it's yeah. one of your favorite places that you go to. Yeah, it's definitely such a nice spot. Like sometimes even there last weekend, um, I met up with Bernard and Milo and Declan mm-hmm. and there's nothing really happening. It was a clear enough sky. There didn't seem like there was much reflections about, but we ended up, there was nothing else really around. So we ended up going to Derry Clare and it was just a lovely, a lovely sunrise again. Like there was a few clouds over the mountains and, nice bit of light and everything like that and it's always it always just seems to be like one of them locations that always is nice it doesn't really matter what the conditions are and like that i have so many pictures of it as well i i never edit half of them even but it's just such a nice spot just to even be even if you if you don't take a picture but yeah it just kind of kind of has it all and like that there's still so many spots that i've kind of marked on a map or something like that that i still want to visit Mm -hmm. that um that i think look great as well yeah, how's your how's your list actually? That you've got a big list of all the areas that you want to go to, and you've marked it out for the different seasons as well. So, is there yeah. places places close by where you're living that you still kind of go? I'm still waiting for that right condition. I know the spot, just haven't got the right condition for it. There's too many, and it seems to be growing by the day as well. You always <laughs> drive around, you see something, and add it onto the list, and still waiting for them conditions. Like I nearly want want a year of fog to get to all the spots and. Uh, yeah. a year of clear skies to get all the milky way shots and all that but that's kind of part of the part of the fun as well getting there and getting in the right conditions and 100 percent. yeah I, I you know i i've only ever visited um pine island well twice actually once it was both on the same trip actually a friend of mine was getting married in connemara and as i was driving up to the wedding i nearly crashed the car because the amount of flatness that i saw on the, all the lakes around me Stop, the whole yeah, way up to connemara it's unbelievable when it's dead calm and just reflections everywhere from all the yeah. lakes like you yeah feels like good. everywhere there's a picture like you can't you can't get anywhere if you had the time to stop yeah, that's the thing. And you see, I was going up there and I had the camera gear and everything with me because he said to me, you know, you take some pictures of it. Like, oh, geez, do I have to? OK, I'll bring the camera gear with me. But I couldn't stop the car going up because, of course, I was late, um, you know, underestimating the time it took me to get from Cork up to Connemara. But um, 
we went off and we did the wedding or whatever and you know a feast to drink that night and the following morning um i just said you know what no i'm gonna go and i waited around an hour and a half maybe two hours and all i was thinking was okay i need to obviously make sure my head is clear and that i have no alcohol for the driving point of view but i was also keeping an eye it was like that wind kicks up now i'm going to miss what i wanted to take a photograph and i was really hoping that you know i'd have the flat water and everything else so mm. came back down the road anyway pulled pulled over to the left hand side bang water was flat i was like yeah man this is great went down took the photograph and i no sooner had taken the photograph that a wind picked up and the reflection was gone and it was mad so what i ended up doing actually is um and i rarely print any of my images but i printed the image and i gave it to them as another wedding present uh, because nice, i took yeah. it the morning after their wedding in Connemara. you know what i mean but it was just I loved it. It was magical, um, but it was too short for me. I mean, like you've mentioned there about, you know, Milky Way, and I, I know I'll discuss that with you uh, in the second part of the show, actually, in relation to Astro, but you've gotten a couple of shots with the Milky Way over that, haven't you? Yeah, well, it's another one of them things that I never saw a picture of, um, so I set out to to get one there. I think it was early early last year. It's kind of about March, April time, mm-hmm. and I did mm-hmm. yeah, a good bit of scouting and stuff like that and went to the far side of it all the way around to the other side to try and get it from the back. But it ended up being just from the side that you park on anyways. And I got it nicely arching over the nice. over the thing. And it was like a four or five panel picture at 14 mil. So I got the mountains in and the whole Milky Way arch and all that. So that's nice. the thing. Like the more you are in an area, you kind of start thinking about these things or seeing them and getting stuff that someone that's kind of just there for a quick weekend or something mightn't have the chance to shoot or mightn't even think of think of shooting so it's nice to kind of have something like that not too far away that you're passing regularly and you can try when you get the conditions like clear skies or something like that to try all them kind of things do you know what you're dead right too i mean the reality of the situation is like i got very very lucky to have those conditions for that split second that i was there but if you really want to get an image you have to commit to saying I'm going to have to go back there a number of times to get the right conditions. And I often have areas that I'd go to and I go, yeah, it's nice, but it's not exactly what I would have thought. You have to have a dedication, but to also you have to know the area that you can get there quickly. Because if you know an area and it's close by, you're no longer trying to find the area. You're now waiting for the conditions. Whereas if you're going to an area for the first time, you're trying to find the area and you're also trying to match that up with the conditions. And you know, nine times out of 10, the conditions that you get aren't ideal. So like when you think about you know the, the, the list I mentioned a moment ago on the different areas as well that you have, like I wonder, will you ever get to all those areas and get that right conditions? What percentage of your list do you think that you'll ever get to before you can no longer do the hikes in an old age point of view? Like, are you going to be, do you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to make it happen. No, I'd say if I get whatever 5%, it's more like nearly like ideas or something like that. Because you know the way it is. You, you, whatever you head out some morning and you'll say, I'll just go out for a look and see what's what's happening kind of thing. And next thing there's this unbelievable fog or something like that. Yeah. Uh, we all love fog. So um, you have this unbelievable fog and you turn into such a kind of a panic and because it's foggy, you can't really see any trees or anything like that. Um, so you're kind of sometimes nearly end up not shooting anything because you're either in such a panic or like that you can't find something to shoot or you can't think of something to shoot that like that you don't shoot at all. Whereas mm-hmm. with this kind of thing that I just did like a, an Excel spreadsheet for the different spots and the different locations that I like to shoot at it, I can have a look at that and see, okay, yeah, there's I have a map kind of made out from it as well. 
okay, I have this forest here where I know there's two or three spots that could be nice in the fog that I've kind of thought of before or whatever. There's this this waterfall that might look nice in the fog kind of a thing. So I can just kind of be a bit more practical about it mm-hmm. um, if I do mm-hmm. end up getting conditions that are nice or something that are special instead of running around like a headless chicken and trying to find something that looks okay at the time. But when you think back, like you think, oh, I should have shot this or that. So yeah, from the list, I don't think I'll ever get anywhere near to completing it, but it's more kind of like just a bit of a an aid for shooting or to kind of when an idea pops into my head, just kind of put it on there. Um, like whatever, we'll say just if there's a storm the next time, I'd like to shoot this cliff or this lighthouse or whatever. So that mm-hmm. when it does mm-hmm. a storm does come with the right conditions, I can kind of have a quick glance over it and see, oh yeah, this might work now. So I just head out and try and get it. But like that, if it works or not, is a completely different thing as well. And even though I might have a shot, I might still go back or you know, I wouldn't mark it off the list and say that's that done. I'll move on to the mm-hmm. next thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of keep keep all the ideas somewhere on paper so you don't forget about them. 100%. And you know what? You're similar to me. I mean, you know, you're... Uh, an avid amateur photographer so it's not something that you can go off and say you know what I think I'll go there on Thursday morning because if you if you got to work you can't do that so you take every opportunity I think that you can get but again just like that like you might say okay that's perfect no yeah but I'm not going to mark it off the list because I think if you mark it off the list you're probably not going to go back there again but do you think there's areas that you know you photographed a number of times you can't really finish with them because the area themselves is so nice it's the the conditions as you say just that perfect fog you know you're, you've got that tree you want that tree to stand out and you have a, you've got 70 percent fog you want 80 percent fog or you want 90 percent fog or do you know it's what i mean too so, much you get too much fog then that's the other thing it's too much <laughs> fog then and you can't see the mountain in behind it so you want 40 percent fog or yeah 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 we're, we're, we're never happy it's we're never in, it's in, never 100 perfect yeah uh, never happy in the pursuit yeah. yeah all right look i'm going to take a first quick break there felix right i'll be right back i want to kind of learn more in relation to the other styles of photography like the astro and your editing as well so we'll be right back after this if you're enjoying this episode of the irish photography podcast why not jump back and listen to the back catalog we have of episodes where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests gear reviews lots of hints and tips and above all else keeping you company while you drive or relax thanks very much for listening please consider subscribing leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast and you're very welcome back to the irish photography podcast so felix can i want to get into a couple of in- interesting items here and the first one is that in, in 2019 i think you quit your job you went traveling you went to australia you went to asia tell us about that trip yeah, it was kind of something I wanted to do for, for a while. Kind of do something while while you're young, while you're still able to, to quit a job, no problem, and just go off traveling for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like that, it was kind of planned planned for quite a while. So I saved up a bit of money to be able to just go traveling myself and my girlfriend um, and not have to worry about, about the money or having to work somewhere, things, do little jobs. So, yeah, we just saved up a good bit of money and then just kind of headed off traveling. We started in China um, just because it was kind of a recommendation from someone and there was a lot of a lot of planning to it of getting visas and all that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it ended up being a stunning country landscape wise, but it was also quite tough as kind of the, f- the first one 
So we're also happy then when we went to Japan, then we were there for the Rugby World Cup. Nice. It was full of full of Irish people and all that. So it nearly felt like we were back in Ireland, which was nice. <laughs> From there, yeah. we kind of traveled, traveled around through Asia and ended up being in Australia. Actually, probably just a bit more than, than two years ago because it was just before Christmas. Right. So we arrived to, to Australia Christmas Eve. Uh, my girlfriend had some relations there. It was a bit, a bit unplanned, but we ended up being there for, I think, three months in the end. Traveling, traveling all around it, so that was a, a stunning spot. Um, but yeah, photography wasn't like anywhere on the list. Why we went, it was mainly just to go traveling, kind of see new places. But obviously, if you're into into photography, um, you're going to bring the camera and you're going to make the most of it and get shots wherever you can and do whatever bits of research you can um, to find kind of nice locations. They're probably all like that, the touristy spots, because you don't have too much time anywhere to to research too much or to kind of scout yourself but yeah obviously did i'd say a good bit of shooting as well because like that you don't have a day job or anything like that you're just traveling around looking at things and trying to find nice spots to to look at and to shoot mm-hmm. so it was a, a mm-hmm. bit of everything like just culture eating photography so yeah I, I think i got got a few all right shots but yeah it's just kind of kind of tough as well to to kind of get exactly what you want and to kind of to kind of edit them shots and all that kind of thing to get around to all that but one day i'll get around to, to edit them all and plan it do like a, just a bit of a book or something like that just to kind of think back about oh, it class yeah, yeah yeah class yeah and and you know i'd say it must be hard as well when the girlfriend is with you like and you know you're kind of going hang on there now for another 10 minutes i think you're going to be a bit of light and then it's 10 minutes past it's turning into an hour and she's like Come on, William. Like, yeah, yeah, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes. Did you have that? Or was it a case of, all right, we're here, get the shot, and off we go to the next spot? Yeah, of course, there's always there's always that, but you just have to try and kind of get out on your own or get out early for sunrise when everyone else is still still asleep mm-hmm. and get the shot or out in the nighttime, um, get the, the Milky Way and things like that. So it's you just have to kind of try and find time on your own to get out if you want to shoot properly. Else, just know that if you're going out with someone, you can take a few shots, but it's probably not going to be as, as perfect or as long there as you kind of want to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And tell me, was that where you brought the GoPro and you started filming a lot of stuff, or was that before then? No, that was the GoPro. The first one I got was like the, the Hero 2. I think that's probably 10 years ago or something like that. All right, okay. And I did go a bit, like I didn't have a normal, but I said I didn't have a DSLR camera or anything like that. So I kind of brought that out and took videos of, basically everything that I did in the, the outdoors and fishing and snowboarding, a lot of them things. I did have a, a GoPro with me as well traveling, but I did take a few videos, but I never really got time to, to edit it or really do anything with it. Although I did get some, some cool things, diving and things like that off Australia and Philippines and bits and pieces here and there, but I never got around to doing anything there. Okay. And to me, when you had the GoPro then, right, um, did you get it to try and take some photographs or did you get it to have just documenting the different things that you were doing in the outside? Because the GoPro, I wouldn't imagine would be a camera that you'd associate with stills. It's more from a video point of view. Yeah. I don't think I took too many like that. I might've taken pictures underwater just because it's kind of the only thing possible could use, to yeah. take pictures in the water. So I kind of thought it was kind of cool from that aspect. Um, but it was mainly just videos, like just simple things. Mm, um from okay. swimming and snorkeling and 
Then there was, I think it was one weekend or something like that, the internet was gone and I had nothing for doing all weekend. So I ended up editing all together and putting it into a video and throwing it up on nice. YouTube. That nice. must be, I was back in college then, it must be seven or eight years ago. Like, So that was kind of nice. But since then, I've never really got around to doing anthem, anthem more than that. But like that, it was just little bits and snippets of videos up here and there and, and everywhere, really. Mm. But mm. I never really use it for, for pictures. It's quite, not quite hard to take pictures with it, but you, the one there I had had no screen on it. I have a bit of a newer one since, but it's still compared to the, the ones that are currently out. It's still old and, and not great, but yeah, I've, yeah maybe the only thing might be the wide angle that you could kind of use. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I've... I've had a mixed relationship, to be honest with you, with GoPros. Um, I've only ever had the GoPro just for filming point of view. Um, but even on that, I've had a number of issues. I had the Hero 2, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I also now have the Hero 7. And I think it's up as far as the 10 now. And I have really no interest in it because um, it's handy for when you want it, no problem. But my love-hate relationship has been with the batteries on them because they kept freezing on me, um, particularly even on the, the, the 7 more so you'll be wanting to use it and all of a sudden it's just frozen and the only way that you could reset it was to take the battery out and if it's in the older versions i suppose which has the uh the the, the camera in the waterproof housing now the one i have it's waterproof but it also has a housing so that you can put it onto a a tripod so the newer ones now have the little fold down clips uh underneath it which is very very handy but i found it really really annoying because if you were anywhere that it's going to be wet, which is exactly the same reason that you'd have it, that you had it, that I'd have mine, is that you wouldn't want to be needing to worry about it if it got wet in the rain. You could put it into the water. I could film stuff under the water and stuff like that. But mm. to try and having to open that up then and all that again, I was like, oh man, this is just better off not using it. Like, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. they're great, but when they don't work, it wrecks my head. Yeah, I have like a, a three and a four now, like, so they're, they're very ancient as well. And mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. the, the battery life isn't great on them. Um, so if they get if they get cold, they only last a couple of minutes. Yeah, like yeah. that, like you're saying, like you have to open up the housing, and if you're up in the mountains snowboarding or something like that, it's it's obviously not that easy, and it's it's pretty cold, so they go fairly quickly. And like that, I wasn't I wasn't probably at the moment now. I I rarely use them because mm. I probably just concentrate mm. more on the we'll say the actual photography than doing little bits and videos here and there. Yeah, with the big Z take the Z out there and sure catch that properly as opposed to the little dinky GoPro. Yeah, well, sometimes <laughs> I go out with the big D as well and get pictures with that. Very good, very good. And tell me, um, let's have a chat about editing, right? Because, you know, your images that I've seen online over the last number of years, I think are really, really, really well edited. Is it something that you enjoy? Because you mentioned there, you know, you have a number of images from Australia that you still need to edit and such like that. Do you enjoy the editing process or do you do it because you have to do it? Talk to me about your approach to editing. Yeah, it's probably my, my least favorite favorite part. I prefer to be out there taking the pictures and all that than, than editing them. I just find it hard to just sit down and, and edit them and kind of get them the way, the way I want to and even just find the motivation to like that sit down and edit them i've hundreds of pictures that i think could work out well if they were edited but i just can't seem to get myself just to sit down and and edit them Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. at the moment now i'm blaming it on the slow laptop of course so (laughs) like that i have to get a new one 
but <laughs> yeah even when when it wasn't slow I, I find it hard just to kind of like that take take the time just to sit down and, and edit the picture the way I wanted and all that but yeah, I mean like yeah. isn't it something isn't it something right like you know you, you got you you got so many different people that have different approaches to editing right so like some people go out and take a photograph for sunrise and they come home it's edited and up online by lunchtime hmm. you have other people that will go out and take a photograph at sunrise and they let it sit they let it cook they let it you know be there for a day two days a week a month six months and i find that when i leave the image before even editing it for the first time that it's like you're reliving that moment again. And if you really enjoyed that morning or afternoon or, or sunset, whatever it may be, you can almost feel what you felt that time when you were editing the image. So I always think it's a good thing to leave it later because you can kind of relive that. But on the other side to that, when you edit an image, and I'm sure you've done this too, you know, you'll edit an image and you'll go, okay, yeah, I'm done with that now. And you might go off and you might go to bed or whatever and you pick it back up the following morning and you go, Jesus, what was I thinking? Or I didn't spot this, or I I went down a different route. Do you find you have that, or do you just get it banged out in one go? No, I'm I'd be even slower than what you described there. Like I might let it sit like that. I'd say a couple of months, maybe even longer, because um, I think you just get a bit more of a kind of I don't know, just a different view on it than when you're out and you're all excited from shooting it and having a great morning and all that. And maybe even if you're mm-hmm. up for sunrise or up for milky way you might be still a bit tired and if you go to edit then i feel like you don't have that objective view on it where you still have that experience and that excitement and all that and you might miss things that you'd otherwise see like like that maybe there's some whatever something out of place or there's the colors just aren't right on it um or even like your the composition mightn't be great but maybe if you're excited about the day you might still edit it and think it's great um, and then whatever pulls it up and you might come back to it a week later or a month later and think, oh, what was I thinking there? Like, whereas yeah. if you let it sit for a couple of weeks or months, sometimes even like with that wave picture from Doolin, for some mm-hmm. reason I kind of edited that two or three weeks later, but I had it sitting there for a while and I kind of knew what I wanted to do with it. Um, I'd let it sit for a while and then kind of edit it. And even then, once I feel like I'm done, I move it to a different folder in, in Lightroom. I have like um, a few different collections there of ones that I want to edit and ones that I just want to let it sit for a while. Um, maybe sometimes I might come back a day later and see something I might want to change or sometimes let it sit for a week or even two or three weeks, maybe a month. Um, or sometimes even just put it on my phone and just kind of the more you see it and look at it, you might notice things that you can improve on it and really taken as long as needed or as long sometimes probably even longer before editing or before posting it or anything else kind of getting a real yeah. real objective view on it and that's kind of my my approach to it anyways and you know what i think it's a very good approach to it because like you can see a lot of people out there that will rush an image and you know that it's been rushed because they might be in a race to get it out there or whatever it might mm. be but like you'll see small little things that you might have missed the first time when you let it cook. And that's when I think that, you know, you will probably get the most out of the image. But even there now, as you say, with your own image, you took that in the winter time of last year and we're in a competition which was in June. So, I mean, 
if you had probably edited that and banged it out straight away, you probably wouldn't have thought about it a bit more. So I think, is it a good thing to even go back to images later on? Because you'll, you might find a nugget that you missed if you rush through it. That as well, yeah. Or even um, just like while you're editing, give it, when you're finished with it, even just leave it there for 10, 15, 20 minutes, go away, do something else, and then come back to it. Because sometimes like your eyes just kind of get so used to an image that they mm-hmm. miss certain things that like that. If you come back 20 minutes, you spot straight away and you're thinking, geez, what was I thinking there a few minutes ago? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's good just to, to let it sit. And like that, your your style kind of changes as well, I think. Um, so like that, maybe someday you might be feeling something and you think it's great, whereas your style might be kind of changing a different way. So if you came back to it two or three weeks later, you might like another image out of a shoot that you're at and you might kind yeah. of bring your overall style a bit more bit more together than if you just kind of shoot or just edit and post the one that you like on, on a certain day. I fully, fully agree with you. And I, one example, actually, that I know from my own point of view is from Seascapes. So if I'm out and I'm taking some images of waves, I'm typically, you know, I'm brimming my memory cards because I'm on high speed continuous constantly because every single wave is going to be different. And I might tune into something I was looking for at that time of a particular wave hitting a particular rock. And I might, you know, look over other ones because I'm looking and just focusing in on this one particular thing that I'm looking for. Hmm. And I've often gone back over images and gone, how did I pass that up? But in actual fact, I passed it up because I was only looking for the wave breaking on the rock in the front. I wasn't even looking at the wave that's breaking in the rock in the background. Yeah. And and coming back to it later afterwards. And as you say, you know, your editing style will constantly evolve. And I think that's something which I really recommend people to do is to go back over images that you've edited a year ago and see how you'd edit it today. And like some people can do that by default. I mean, you know. I know Bernard is an example and similar to you and possibly me as well at times that, you know, an image can sit in my hard drive for months and months and months and then I'll pick it up and I'll edit it. But when you've already edited the image a year ago, you're in a bias which has been, you know, cultivated up as far as that point. But since then, there's been other influences and other ways that you've gone your editing and you might end up with a completely different image. And editing an image, I think, is very much so akin to your own personal taste and your own personal style. Well, it should be anyway, unless people are editing to copy somebody else, let's just say. And like I did a thing recently, I don't know if you saw it or not on YouTube, where I had one raw file and I had people edit that raw file. And it was amazing that one image, the amount of different versions and iterations that came out from that one raw file. So it can be the same from our own images, do you think? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, even what you mentioned there with seeing something different, um, I probably would like that. I load the memory card onto the onto the hard drive probably once a week or something like that, or after shooting, and just have a quick look through the images. And like mm-hmm. you're saying there, there might be because you're just concentrating on one wave, you might see something else or some different. You kind of think, oh, I wish I would have done this in the composition, or I would have just went a little bit more right or something like that. So mm-hmm. sometimes you mightn't have the chance to go back, but other times you might be back there in a week or two weeks. And you have that kind of knowledge from the last time you were there and you kind of spotted something last time that you were there that you can kind of implement the next time. So like that, I do leave it quite a while before before editing. Um, but I might have a look at it um, quite recently just to kind of get, get in a view of what I got. Um, mm-hmm. Was mm-hmm. kind of worth it to go back again or did I get good conditions or what, what I would have done differently? 
and lucky you lucky you you've got all so many amazing locations not far from where you are as well that you can go back there with ease whereas other people you know think about it if somebody comes to ireland on holidays or even on a photography trip they get one one shot pardon the pun but they get one shot at a location uh for those conditions that are there but as you say like you might look at that and go i should have gone six inches to the left or six inches to the right you can go back and you can recompose that image again if it's somewhere that's close by and you've got some banging areas around you to be able to do that as well so it's a nice luxury to have where you're where you're living i think to be able to have that as opposed to you know let's say you go to the pharaohs or whatever it might be mm. you might be there for five or six days you might be in one spot twice maybe if once at all and then you come home and there's nothing worse than going ah damn it i should have gone this way so yeah i think it's always good to kind of play around when you're there like you know don't camp on the one composition make some little tweaks and changes because you never know six months down the line when you're re-editing that you you won't be able to fix that you know yeah it always looks different on the the screen or on your computer screen on the bigger one compared to the back of the camera yeah uh, but like yeah. you're saying there even if you are somewhere from just one or two days if you even do get the chance you might spot something after the first time shooting there that it might improve the picture big time for the next time that you're there even mm-hmm. if it is in the next morning or in a year's time or two years time you might just kind of spot something then that you that you didn't see while you were there on location. Mm, absolutely. Um, okay, so I want to kind of switch speeds now for a second and I want to talk to you about nighttime. So you alluded to there a moment ago, which is actually relevant to what we're talking about, about having tired eyes and stuff like that. So Astro, um, obviously you're a fan of Astro. Tell me what you enjoy most about astrophotography. Um, I think it's just kind of getting out there and seeing things, like I said earlier, that you wouldn't normally see or even that a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't see just kind of being out there. Either mm. it might be whatever, a real calm night and you just see all the all the stars above you. It's just kind of spectacular to see. We're quite lucky, I think, here in Ireland where we still have reasonably dark skies. Mm-hmm. I know there's obviously in the, in the cities that's not great, but um, I think yeah, so many people never really kind of witnessed the proper dark night sky the way you see it when it's when it's properly dark and away from the city so i think mm-hmm. it's just kind of amazing to see but then it's also obviously great to capture that with the camera the camera can kind of pick up a bit more light than your eyes so there's even a few little extra things that you can kind of pick up and just yeah be, being out there and seeing that and kind of realizing that these stars are hundreds of thousands millions of kilometers away um some of them whatever the, the picture that you see or the light that you see is couple of million years old kind of a thing you're really mm-hmm. looking back looking back in time seeing the light that's kind of coming in from from the stars and yeah just usually it, when you can if it's quiet out it's obviously just amazing being out at night time big time and you know what you've hit a couple of things there really felix right that like people that live in a city can look up and they can see some stars hmm. People that live in the countryside and look up, they see lots of stars. But you put a camera there and you can see even more stars. I mean, you can see into galaxies. I mean, Kean Ryan has just gotten his Sony modified there now as a hydrogen modification. And he can get ridiculous high ISO with zero noise. Mm. And even looking at what comes out on, on, on nebulas. I mean, all of that is there. We can't see it with our eyes, but the camera can do that. And I love that about Astro because, you know, you look at it and okay the, the lay person is oh that has to be fake but okay we know it's not fake but that's the natural default that people can have when they see 
how come I can't see that with my eyes? Or how come I can't do that with my camera? But even I mean, like when you go out and like that, just say if you're living out in the countryside, way away from the city, and you come out of the house and you look up and you see a good lot of stairs or a lot of stairs, even if you turn off all the lights and just look at the stairs for half an hour, your eyes still adjust. I think it's up to half an hour. So if you've been in the dark for the half an hour, you even see more stairs than that. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. like a lot of people wouldn't even take the time to to spend that long to look at the stairs. So their eyes never fully fully adjust. So you do see quite a good bit. Like once you kind of your eyes are adjusted, it's still obviously not as much as the camera, but even that like it's just amazing. There's always there always seems to be meters about as well when you start looking up and satellites yeah. and all that. It's just kind of so vast. You don't even even really know where to where to start. Like you're saying there with the deep space, like it's just a, a whole another world altogether. Nearly, it is. nearly too much for me. Um, the amount of, <laughs> me too. <laughs> the amount of the proper deep sky stuff where they have big telescopes on trackers and whatever they take different take whatever eight hours of data for just whatever the red the red part of it and then the other parts of it like that they'd spend 40 50 hours just taking the images and stacking them together i'd be spending years and putting them together on the laptop like so it's kind of and especially at the rate you edit the images you might get them done in six years but i know through them all. <laughs> and you, you know it's interesting you say it there the deep space i did a podcast with adrian modi and yeah. he he is phenomenal phenomenal he's shooting shooting the stars at 135 mil mm. and i'm blown away by the level of detail that he has in the images and such like that and i mean it's, you're right you know it's a whole pardon the, the pun again it's a whole different world per se it's a whole different you know universe <laughs> it is but you know the stuff there that we would never even think is possible when you start looking at the different nebulas and the different colors that are within that yeah number one to, to, to do it but number number two to have the ability to not only to take that image to put that image together but the patience to do that as well knowing that what's going to come at the very end of that that to me is hats off if somebody does that you know yeah no it's it's too much for me so i'm not even going to think about do you know like with photography there's always you know you can get a bit of a better lens and go a bit more that direction but i think with the the deep space stuff you just have to do it right or, or not at all mm, mm, absolutely and you know speaking of deep space you got comet neowise i believe last year did you yeah i got a got a couple of couple of image of it i like that i wasn't expecting too much but i just went out after seeing a couple of images and tried to get it over Galway and got that and then a few more bits and pieces over the cliffs of Moher and actually the picture I have of the Milky Way with the at the cottage there in Connemara mm-hmm. you might know it there was Neo Wise behind me there but I ended up not even shooting it because I had that, that other scene in front of me with the Milky Way wow so I got wow. I think I got well we got three clear nights and it was during whatever just after the lockdown so I wasn't working so mm-hmm. I had the, mm-hmm. the time to go out and, and shoot it um, for as long as I could. And I got the, the three clear nights that we got up here anyways. I, I was out shooting. Lucky you. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I wanted to get out and shoot it actually, but I didn't even see the shagging thing. I was like, I was at home. I couldn't go anywhere. I've, I've got, you know, ambient lighting all around me. I know yeah. it, it was pretty low in the sky, wasn't it? So yeah, it takes takes your eyes a few kind of while to, to adjust to it and then, even when you're kind of focused on that area, you couldn't really see it properly. You could just nearly see it out of the corner of your eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, with the with the camera, you could see it, see it perfectly on the on the back of the camera, like so. That kind of helped. 
and the one and night then was amazing. Um, knocked Luke and Clouds as well. Oh. So that was was cool to see as well. Yeah. Yeah, geez, you're spoiled, tech. Knocked the loose in clouds with Neo Wise and everything else all in the one frame. Yeah, yeah. I got I got uh, slated by the lads because I was telling them they're just fancy serious clouds, but after that night <laughs> now they were they were nice serious clouds, but <laughs> they were serious clouds up in the sky that they night. Were. <laughs> and are you chasing uh, Leonard as well now, yeah? I don't know. I took some shots there Sunday morning before sun or he's up before uh, sunrise at the moment now and then i think it's after after sunset i think from next week on and right. i was out we'll say saturday night sunday morning um just behind the house there and i got got some shots of it but it's it's not half as impressive as neo wise like so it is kind of it's all right but it's nothing too special i find because you need a long lens and ideally track it as well I got some right. pictures of it, like it's, I think, 300 mil tracked and stacked and cropped and everything like that. I can send that on to you, but it looks nice in the picture, but like that, you can't see anything with your eyes. And even with the camera, it's quite faint and you have to know where exactly to point it and all that. Mm, mm. But it's, it's meant it's to get brighter now. I think the 12th or something, it's, that's, it's brightest. It's peak, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, the 12th, yeah. Um, so like this podcast now will be out and people will be listening, I suppose, pr- prior to the 12th. So, yeah, tell people, you know, where do they need to look? Or do you know where do you I presume you do? Where um, do they need to look to be able to see it? Yeah, it's kind of east. It kind of starts off the start of the night. I think it's up from like two or three o'clock. Um, and then it's kind of starts in the north, northeast, moves around to kind of, we'll say the southeast. So you're kind of looking before sunrise in the direction of sunrise. Um, and it's kind of like about, I think, 20, 30 degrees up the way. It's not too high either, but it's not too low off the horizon. Um, and yeah, probably ideally go at it with maybe like a hundred mil lens, something around that and point it that direction and do, uh, do whatever, uh, 15 second exposure. Even if the stars start streaking, you might see like a little green bluish little, um, little dot and dash. And, okay. and that's it. I think then towards the even time, it's um, it's more towards the north, the north, um, the northwest. But the best thing is to just download like an app. There's some stuff like Skywalker or Stellarium, and then in the search panel, just type in the um, Leonard, and it comes up. It shows you where it is, and you can scroll to the time to get a better better idea of it. Hopefully we have uh, clear skies. That's I mean, the other yeah, thing, I, yeah. You know, it's cloudy, you definitely that. won't see it. No, you won't. And I think, as you say there, I mean, you know, with the degrees and the height, you might be able to get it with a nice foreground as well, I imagine. So, or you won't probably be difficult with the 100 mil. You want to be pretty far back from your foreground to be able to get it there. So over a lighthouse or something like that, would it work? Exactly. Yeah, like that. I'd say nearly you'd want to be at the moment like minimum 100 mil, but ideally a bit a bit more to get it a bit bigger in the image. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it is doable. Like, especially like you said, it's close to the horizon. If the horizon is nice and clear, but at the same time, it's quite tricky as well because it's not not too bright. So it'll be quite faint in the picture. Um, and obviously, you could, you could, instead of if you don't have a tracker, you can just take loads of images and then stack it in um, different programs. Like the one I did the last day, I just stacked it manually. It was only 10, 10 pictures or something like that. So I just moved them, moved okay. them onto the same thing in Photoshop and done like a smart object and a mean, which cancels out all the noise. 
So you can shoot at whatever ISO 8000 and the image looks fine then at the end of it. And you're, you're a tracked and stacked guy, so you are? No, it just depends on whatever. Um, depends on how difficult or how easy it is as well. Um, mm -hmm. I have mm -hmm. some shots there from the cliffs and you have to see the North Star. So if you can't see the North Star, you can't, you can't stack. So yeah. then just, just track it. And then normally when I do, when I do track, I don't stack it. Then I just use the, the one image, which feels okay. like it, like it does me as well. So it just always mm. depends on the situation like that. When I was doing the pano over Derry Clare, I was just doing the pano. I wasn't, I wasn't stacking. Sorry, I was tracking, but I wasn't stacking. And then right, I did yeah. a few where just did the, the stacking separately, just in case the tracking didn't work out. And you never know it could, could work or couldn't work. So I always try and keep it on the safe yeah. side as well. Yeah, you're better off to have those raws in case you do need them rather than be looking for them afterwards. And exactly. I can, yeah, I I went out one evening with uh, Mick Snap and Key and Keen, yeah. and I was blown away by the whole tracker. And I said to the lads, you know, I was like, Jesus, you know what? I'd love to get this, but I mean, I don't shoot Astro as often as I'd like to. Number one, um, and and I suppose as I possibly can i suppose and in my ability to be able to do it but i'm sure it's something that you know if i ever did go down that route if i had time that i could go out in the night and stuff like that it is a game changer to have the tracker i mean it's you know as you say you get it all in the one file you can set it up but the problem is that you have to be able to see the north star so without that you can't use a tracker yeah yeah well there is there is other ways about it there's little things gauges on it that you can basically set your whatever degree you're at on earth um, so you can set that in and then your latitude and then you can also put in, um, you know, if you have your phone or whatever, a compass on that, you can point mm -hmm. that north and that's basically, it's, it's set up as well. Okay. Um, okay. So even the one I have now, it's just a little, a little mechanical one. So you wind it up like a, like an egg timer and it runs for 60 minutes. Um, and ideally like it's for whatever your, your 14 mil or your 24 mil or 35 mil kind of more wide angle shots of the milky way um which is like it's good for that it's nice and light you can carry it in the bag um but then again like you can get shots at 300 mil like i did at the weekend there if you if you really line it up perfectly but i kind of nearly feel like the tracking nearly takes some of the fun out of it because if you're just shooting shooting whatever we'll say the milky way behind behind the a lighthouse or something like that you kind of have to be there right at the right spot and line it up perfectly. Whereas with the tracker, what I think the best thing to do is nearly shoot the shoot the foreground as in the, the lighthouse in the foreground separately mm -hmm. and then kind of move out of the way then and get a picture of the, the stars tracked. Um, and then obviously the foreground would be would be blurry. So that's why you kind of move out of the way and then blend them together in Photoshop afterwards. Mm, um, and I nearly okay. feel like that takes a bit of the, the fun out of it like that you know it is it is lined up but at the same time it's it just kind of nearly feels not fake but it nearly feels like a bit of cheating or something like that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's 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 too not not too perfect but too precise if you kind of exactly it, it kind of takes the bit of the fun out of it. like you know when you whatever take a picture of it we'll say normally you kind of see the image on the back of the screen and you kind of get excited about that whereas mm -hmm. when you're stacked you kind of see the one image of the lighthouse and the long exposure with the stars in behind it are streaked because you're going to do low ISO long exposure. And then you see another image of just the stars and you have to blend them, the, the lighthouse in on top of it. So it's just, just not quite the same, I feel. 
Mm. So that's mm. why I kind of do a, a combination of the two as well, depending on what I'm shooting exactly. And... Class. Well, you know what? Some phenomenal tips there, I think, Felix, from the uh, the Astro point of view. And I hope that you do get some clear skies that you can get out and uh, capture some images of uh, Leonard as well. I mean, look, you know, I've seen, you know, your images of Neowise, even like the image you took there behind the lighthouse is an incredible, beautiful shot. Um, so I hopefully you'll be able to get some images now of this fella with the yeah, nice bit of green as well. I haven't been able to, to think of anything that I'd be able to line up with it yet properly, but now seeing as I got got one shot of it, I have a kind of rough idea what it looks like and what direction and all that. And maybe try so, and try and plan somewhere, but yeah, watch find this it, space. Find it tough at the moment to, to think of somewhere to, to shoot it. I'm sure now you'll find one or two areas. Now you've a plethora of them around to be able to choose from. Even Derry Clare might do it for you, would it? Um, that's, no, that's kind of more north. You'd kind of Is want it? something south. which, And then you have to get away from it far enough to go at it with whatever the 100 mil or 200 mil kind of a thing. And it needs to be up a bit. But like that, I'll keep, keep it in the back of the head and hopefully I'll find somewhere to, to shoot it and we get a clear night. Down, down to Cork, down to Galleyhead Lighthouse. That's it. You're always sorted down there in Cork for the, the Wilkie Way and all that along the South Coast. Yeah, it is nice, right? In fairness, you know, and I think I, I, we, we kind of take it for granted, I think, to be honest with you, you know, um, because, again, as we say, what you need is clear skies. Hmm. And, you know, the forecasters in Ireland, I think, have the easiest job in the world, which is cloudy chance of rain. Exactly. Uh, and even when it's fully, fully clear, or predicted fully clear, you can never be safe enough to, to actually get that fully clear. There's been times where all the apps have said it's clear for all night and then you get there and it's just cloudy the whole night. And yeah. You, you wonder how they're so wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, the next thing I want to talk to you about is your calendar. So I think this is the second calendar that you've done. You did one in twenty for 2021 and now you've also just released one for 2022. And I mean, you know, Felix, looking at the images that you've selected for this calendar, it is beautiful i mean you've got such a range you've got Connemara, you've got mayo uh you've got galway you've got donegal you have cathedral rock down in uh kerry you've got pine island you know you've got uh, more from mayo you've got the cliffs of moher and you also have the winning image as well uh as december for 2022 so number one congratulations on a phenomenal looking calendar um number two Tell me, how did you manage to put the whole thing together and how was it, was it difficult picking images? Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, so, no, it's not the not even the second one. It's probably the fifth or sixth. Um, oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, you probably only saw the, the whatever, the 20 or 2021. 21 and 22 is ones I could see, yeah. yeah. So this okay, so you're a dab hand at doing them so. So, okay, yeah. go on. <laughs> how, how easy was it to put this one together? <laughs> it's... It's not too bad now because I'm kind of in the swing of things. I did take a break when I was traveling. Obviously, I didn't get around to doing it. So I did it before that. Um, and I was over in the UK. I was living over there. So I got it through a company there. And um, other times like that, it's only been a handful. So it started off four or five years ago. It was a handy Christmas present for the mother, we'll say, and the grannies. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they liked it and other people wanted one and stuff like that. So it just kind of snowballed from from there. Mm-hmm. Um so like that now I kind of put one out whenever I can like that every every year hopefully if I'm not away traveling um mm-hmm. so yeah just kind of in at the moment now where once you kind of the difficult thing is trying to pick the images to put into it because you're always thinking well that wouldn't be nice or that one and 
um, just yeah, trying to pick the, the 12 or 13 images with the cover to put mm-hmm. into it is more it's the hardest thing about it at this stage. Putting it together then is the, the handy bit. So yeah, just well, try and kind of choose a few images that kind of were taken around that time and just kind of from the last from the last year that I've edited in the last year, we'll say, um, just to kind of make it kind of cohesive with the months and all that. And like that, have the, the wintry ones and the winter months and the summery ones for the summer months and all that. It's bang on, man. It's, okay, I'm looking at the images here now as we talk, and I mean, even looking from image to image, they're, they're stunning. I mean, like the one we've been speaking about there, getting the Milky Way over Pine Island, that's there. Mm. You know, we have um, the image that we said a moment ago, which was the award-winning image. We've got a beautiful photograph here, which is November, which is the Cliffs of Moor in fog. Yeah, well, I haven't even posted that on on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere like that. So I always kind of keep keep a few special ones in there as well. And like that, you can just see them on the screen now, but obviously printed. It looks great as well. They're they're nice and big, kind of A3. Oh, no doubt. So it's, yeah, no it doubt. looks great yeah. in person as well. Yeah, and look, the one, you know, that I like, I mean, I've visited there as well, is in uh, Cathedral Rock <laughs> in Dingle. I mean, you know, Dingle is probably my favorite place to, go take photographs because you've got so much in such a small area and I often well not often for many years I wanted to get out to see Cathedral Rock and to see it at sunset and when I got the opportunity to get out to do it with Bernard it blew me away and I mean if anybody hasn't seen this formation of rocks that we have off the coast it is incredible to witness but your image with the sunburst just on the right hand side captured from a boat is unreal man yeah there was i think bernard did three trips out there and he always seemed to get something different and like that the first crowd i think they got the uh the light beam kind of coming through and the mm-hmm. the, the mist coming off the water the sea spray um yeah. and the second one i think that was the one you were on they got the colorful sky yeah 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 and then so you're kind of thinking oh these the last two times they got these great things with the the sun breaking through and this colorful sky like you know Hopefully we'll get something decent and like that. It wasn't wasn't looking great for a while, but then eventually kind of the sun the sun popped down and the boatman then was unreal as well. He knew exactly what to oh, yeah. what to do and how to move the boat to get Cullum. us right there. Yeah, Colum I think was the guy who was yeah. the uh, the captain of the ship that day. We were out there and exactly that. But I go forward a bit, back a bit. You know, he's moving the boat by inches, like it was exactly just to make sure the swell going up, up and down and back and over. And the day we were there, there was a storm about to hit. I think the day, the next day, so there was nice. so many birds. They were all flying around, getting in off the sea. Um, it was just in, incredible to see. Unreal, unreal. So tell me, where can people, can they still get this calendar? Are you sold out? Is it available? Where I, can people get I'm the nearly calendar? sold out. Yeah, I have have a handful of them left. Um, so the best thing is just to message me. And yeah, I can just just post them out to you then. So yeah, okay. just send me a message through everywhere, my Instagram, Facebook, or website kind of a thing. And yeah, I'm not gonna. Last year now, I they were sold out within the first two days, so I ended up oh. ordering more. But um, I don't think I'll order more this year now because it's a bit of hassle and coming up to Christmas now, I'd say, could be a bit tight. So as they say, once they're gone, they're gone. When they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, That's I mean, it. look, I'll get I'll get all your links and everything anyway from where people can reach out and, and message you and get a copy of this calendar. I think yeah. anybody that would uh, purchase this would be 
absolutely delighted to have it because you've such a beautiful array of uh, images. So yeah, well done on that. Thanks. And we'll get all the links and everything else at the end and I'll also put them into the uh, to the show notes. Okay. Um, Felix, I have one question now for you before I go for my final break. And it's a new question. And it's a question that I've only asked a couple of people so far in the podcast, but I'm going to ask it to people now going forward. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same question. Hmm. Is it the photographer that creates the image or is it the scene that presents itself? Gee, that's a, a tough one. Um, I'd say it's a bit of both because okay. like that, there's been spots that I've been to. I'll just use myself as an example. Say, There's been spots that I've been to where I thought like that, especially I think forests are quite quite hard for it, where you think Geez, there's, nothing, there's nothing here or nothing really, really stands out. And mm-hmm. next thing like that, the light the light comes in a certain way and it just catches your eye or that just po- basically points something out to you it feels like mm-hmm. and like that so the so the um the scene kind of presented itself there nearly mm-hmm. um but then other times it's kind of the photographer as well so like that you could be whatever out shooting and whatever you might be out shooting with a friend will say and you're going around and the light isn't great and you don't really see anything so you don't take a picture Whereas your buddy, he spotted something and he took a lovely picture of it. So then it wasn't really the, the scene presenting itself as more like the, the photographer mm-hmm. making the scene or spotting the scene and taking it. Um, so I think it's a, a bit of both and it kind of depends on the situation as well. It, it does. And, you know, um, I've thought about this question, I suppose, uh, a number of times over the years. And the one that kind of strikes me on it is this, is that, you could be sitting there for hours waiting for the right light. Yeah. And you may not get that image. I could rock up to out of my car, get my phone out of my pocket, take the image as the light kicks off just at that point. So the scene presented itself to me. I got the image. But you as the photographer, you were there waiting to get that image. And you had the perseverance and the foresight to be able to plan an image. And then all of a sudden the conditions which you planned happened but then somebody else can rock up and get the same image. And I think that's where I kind of find it's in between the two because like, you can have a beautiful vista that anybody could get a photograph, let's just say, or you could have an area that it's not exactly clear that there's an image here, but then the photographer creates the image from that scene where somebody who hadn't got that compositional eye wouldn't be able to see that image, you know? So... I think it's you're. I think you're right in, in in the way that it's it's in between both, um, and I'm just wondering, you know, would you lean more of the photographer, or would you more would you lean more towards the scene? Um, I probably lean more towards the photographer, especially now, like the kind of, you know, kind of the small scenes and kind of like the intimate scenes are getting quite popular, yeah. which yeah. kind of encompasses more a lot more of that. You're having a lot less kind of that beautiful light, that beautiful mm-hmm. colored mm-hmm. sky or stuff like that. Whereas you're kind of focusing in on on details, which like that, hundreds of people could walk by and not not spot. Where the mm-hmm. photographer kind of looking for something unique is whatever patterns or something that stands out, is kind of creating this the scene, and there's nothing to do with the with the scene kind of presenting itself, where you mm-hmm. have to look mm-hmm. quite quite mm-hmm. hard to to see it or to find it. Mm-hmm. No. Bang on, man. Bang on. Okay. And on that bombshell, we'll take our last break. I'll come back. I've got three questions I ask every guest. I'm looking forward to your answers. So, yeah, we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the Irish Photography Podcast, why not jump back and listen to the back catalogue we have of episodes, where you'll get some great insights from fantastic guests 
gear reviews, lots of hints and tips, and above all else, keeping you company while you drive or relax. Thanks very much for listening. Please consider subscribing, leaving a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Very welcome back to the final part of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Felix, like I said, I've got three questions to ask all my guests. And the first question is a funny photography story. What's yours? Jeez, I'd have to um, think about now. There's been been a few good ones now. Keep it clean now. Especially, you know. I bet you it involves Milo. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're not clean, so I can't can't mention any of them. Sorry. You're lucky, Milo. Um, no, sure. You know yourself when you're out with, with Bernard and the lads, there's always something funny happening. Absolutely. Um, but I think one one in particular time was we were heading down to down to Dingle. Um, it was ba- oh, back in the day now when Johnny Beard was still photographing. Who? That fella. I, I remember know. him. That's a that's that's blast that's a blast from so the So for the younger yeah. listeners, um look up <laughs> Johnny Beard. Um great photographer, but we don't Absolutely. know what, what happened to him now. He's got swallowed up by the earth or something. <laughs> but um, myself and Bernard and Johnny were on the way down to Dingle and we're meeting some of the lads down there and like that we're all giddy on the way down and looking forward to I think it was a long weekend down there um, we didn't really have too much of a plan like we're, I think we're just heading down to Dingle or down to Kerry in general and we're thinking of heading up Cairntuhul for camping up there or heading to the coast or whatever um, and anyways myself and Bernard we convinced Johnny that uh, there was a webcam up on top of up on top of Karen Tuhill, and he spent the rest of the way down then looking for this uh, webcam of Karen Tuhill, and the two of us, geez, laughing our holes off, then going down the road, and Johnny like, oh, yeah, look, I have it here, like, and just Google it, like, and oh, stop, it was it was some laugh going down the road, and Johnny pure confused about the the webcam up on Karen Tuhill, and geez, myself and Bernard could hardly hold it together. <laughs> and you had to climb up to the top just so he could make sure that it was there, is it? <laughs> no, we're, we're telling it's up on top of the cross there. Like, oh, geez, it must be down now at the moment, or the internet's not working, or something's gone wrong. But it's definitely there. Charge like, the battery in the, in the top of the bit there. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Poor old Johnny taking the piss out of him on the whole way down there. But you yeah. know what? Yeah, I, 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 it's interesting you mentioned. I mean, there's a name from the past now. I mean, he's a phenomenal guy and phenomenal photographer. Yeah. Um, and I think yeah, hopefully he gets back into the to the swing now getting back out maybe yeah, he's he, actually maybe he broke into, the, into the deep space stuff that's oh yeah we were talking about okay. earlier yeah so like that okay. you can do it do it from home as well so that's that's handy you don't have to travel too far yeah and i like how you say for the younger listeners yeah there's a once upon a time there was a guy his name was Johnny Baird. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I think uh, brilliant. Yeah. Okay. And I can just imagine the two of you as well, you know, skitting the whole way down the car. Yeah. We were down in Bernard's, Bernard's camper. So we're all sitting in the front, doing the, the transporter, <laughs> the three seats in the front and the three of us there. Like, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the next question I have is what gear do you use? So I know that you're a Nikon shooter. So tell me what's in your bag. Yeah. So like I said earlier, I got the, the Nikon uh, Z7 II. So yeah, that's just an amazing camera. Which was I handy. I wouldn't, that was handy. It was yeah. handy. I wouldn't be getting it otherwise. <laughs> but yeah, seeing as I have it. Um, and I won that with the 24-70 f2.8, which is nice for shooting Astro as well, like Absolutely, to have that, yeah. that f2.8. Um, then also the other one I use a lot for, for Astro as well is the wide angle, which is the 14-24 to f2.8 Sigma. Sigma. So I was kind yeah. of, at the time, thinking I was between the Sigma and the, the Nikon. But the Sigma, Sigma was a good bit um, newer than the 
than the older. I think that's Nikon fourteen to twenty four. The old one, anyways, for the for the DSLRs, I think is must yeah, be gotcha. fifteen years old or something like that. It's a beast of a wow. lens, but vintage. Yeah, yeah. They have the the Z one out now, and then I have the the one hundred to four hundred Tamron is it F F four to six or something like that or six point four. Nice lens, kind of a nice little nice little zoom there it's not too heavy mm-hmm. i can still bring it up up the mountains and wherever mm-hmm. and i also have a, a 50 mil f 1.4 um i don't use it too often but there's every now and again it kind of comes in handy i think one of the, the nifty 50 one of the main things i actually use it for is for capturing the um the light rays on the lighthouse at night uh, oh. you know you kind of see them see them moving around so you need mm-hmm. a quick quick shutter speed and um, obviously at night, then it's it's quite hard to get that. So the the f one point four comes in nicely for that. Sweet, sweet. And uh, what um, what tripod do you use? Um, I just have a, a normal old Manfrotto, the one that no Benro, no, no. Just Bernard, come on, like you know what I mean. You want to twist the arm there a bit there and get the old Benro into Felix's hands. No, I'm still happy out with the with the um, Manfrotto now. Not that I take I'm any good care of it or anything like that, but yeah, I do have a different ball head on it though because I have the, the L bracket. I have the is it Surai or something like that or Surai? Oh yeah, ball head, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's that's grand. Like, and I have a little a little travel tripod as well, which is handy for for hiking or for traveling. Well, do you know what the Manfrotto tripods, as you say, I mean, you, they're they're great because you can throw them around the place, and they're used. They're designed to be used. But it's interesting you say you've different ball head because that's the one thing that annoyed me about the Manfrotto is the Manfrotto uniqueness on the plate. Yeah, um, you can't use an Arca Swiss, and even if you've got the L bracket, you can't use that either. So I have a, a Manfrotto ball head as well that I ended up having to take off the Manfrotto piece on the top, whatever that part is called. Um, and actually fusing um, uh, an Arca Swiss plate onto the top of it. Yeah, I so did that the I same with my, with my travel one because I wasn't going to yeah. buy a new ball head, so I was able to, to change that. And yeah, it works absolutely. Fine, yeah. yeah. Uh, and what bag do you use? What do you keep it all in? Um, I have the, the F-stop bag, so I actually um, have that now for nice. a couple of years. I haven't jumped on the bandwagon there. Not yet. I started the bandwagon, we'll say. Because they're <laughs> they're expensive to to buy, like so it was quite a big big investment, especially like if you're only kind of getting into photography. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say they're they're fully worth it. Like, I brought comfortable. I brought yeah two of them traveling. I had the bigger one as like you're kind of checking luggage, and I had the smaller one then to bring the the gear on the plane, and it's just handy like that. You can have the the thing to pull out, and if you have to check that bag in, you can take your camera out and. Or you can use it as an extra bag, and you can swap around the camera between the two, the insert, and all that. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they they were the first, I think, to invent the ICU, which is the uh, as internal called? camera unit, internal camera unit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's the handy they were thing. the first to do that, weren't they? I think so. Anyways, because at the time I was looking for like a bag that I could bring hiking as well, and mm-hmm. have the camera gear in, um, and most of the camera bags at the time, like let's say seven or eight years ago, they looked like a a typical camera bag and just about yeah. fit the camera into um so yeah i ended up going with with the f-stop and even there after traveling like last year sometime the the zip broke on my on my bigger one on my tilopia and i messaged hmm. them saying is there anything do you know, where i could get a fix or anything like that and they sent me out a new one so it's like a 20 wow. year guarantee on it which is which is class i think 
Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you were you were all shiny as well. So when you went back out, uh, to down a bit of dirt to make it uh, used again, did you? I haven't actually used it too much. <laughs> That's the bigger one, so I just use it usually for camping because it fits all the the camping gear. Else traveling, it's handy as well because I can. It counts as whatever you can put it in as the overhead compartment on the plane. Yeah. But it's yeah, still big enough to kind of go away for a weekend. Um, but sure, yeah, I haven't, haven't done too much of that lately. So it's not, so not too bad. we're into the winter now, but you'll be back out and you'll be freezing your nuts off in the middle of the uh, the darkness. Yeah. You'll have your bag, you'll be using it with all your camping gear and everything else That's as well. It. Yeah, it's settled into the night. Exactly. Okay. And the last question then is our VSP. So it's a very solid product. A product you won't leave home without. You'd put your name to it if you could. What's yours? Um, I'd have to go probably with the with the rain gear and waterproof boots. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's not really really camera gear, but yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter like this time of year how clear it is. I'd always kind of have it in the bag because it always seems to have a shower out of nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, mm-hmm. if you're if you're wet, you can't really or you can still shoot, but it's just not as comfortable, and you you might stay out as long. Whereas if you have the the wet gear on like and you don't mind it can be piss and rain or wind and everything like that or like that especially if you're at the coast you're just kind of you're happy out there and you can just shoot shoot all day really and what's the waterproof gear is it the berghouse pants uh no i have patagonia pants and the berghouse jacket but okay yeah they're okay and the boots the boots i have selwa ones they're just like kind of mountaineering what? Nice. But nice. Yeah, I think kind of like that. It's not that specific, but I think kind of if you go into yeah, any work. decent outdoor shop and get a decent decent pair of anything like the Berghouse pants, they're quite quite popular and they're good. Like and same with the jackets. They're very good. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I mean, people underestimate the importance. That you're dead right. Much you say. You know, if you get wet, you can can still go ahead, right? But just, it's not comfortable. Mm. Um, and like having the wet gear, I always have it in my bag as well because we live in Ireland. Like, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to rain. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like that, you, you know, can do that if you want to shoot two meters from the car and you can sit in the car if there's a shower or anything like that, but you just won't kind of get them images, them unique images or like that. You can go out in a blue sky and go somewhere and get a decent shot, but you're not going to get Absolutely. them conditions like that. I think a lot of times the conditions are the best just in between showers or just before Agreed. shower, just after shower. So to kind of Agreed. be there at the time yeah. and be prepared is nearly, think, half the half the image. And you know what? Don't be afraid of a bit of rain, especially if you've got your wet gear. Welcome no. it. Yeah, or you even know, the, the camera is fine as well with a with a bit of rain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Felix, man, we're, uh, we're almost there. There's only two final questions for me to ask you, which is, number one, what's next for you? And number two, where can people find more info on you? Um, next really, there's not, nothing too much planned. Um, just the usual, get out, get out and shoot whenever I can and try and kind of see as much, as much of Ireland for the moment anyways. And I think like you were saying earlier, there's still so much here and such a beautiful country. Um, I just kind of want to concentrate on getting plenty more images here in Ireland. Um, well, so that's kind of I, I'm looking forward to it. seeing you get out more and looking forward to seeing what you can get as well now over the winter months because you're coming into your prime now for the winter time. I am, but it's it's tough as well now, like because it's dark when you're going to work and it's dark when you come home to work, so that's five days out of the week gone already. Yeah. So you kind of have to hope for the weekend, and there's so many other things for doing then that it's tough to, to find the time just exactly there for the weekend, but I'll try anyways. And, 
well, do you know what, boy? Even if you get out and you get out once, it's better than not getting out. And even, you know, like, I really think, and I said this a thousand times before, bad conditions do not exist in landscape photography. There's the, always the a shot. The worse the conditions, the, the more potential there is to kind of get something. Absolutely. Unique. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, so where's your handles? Why? Where's your handles on the socials? Like yourself, I don't have a have a too common name, so it's easy enough to, to find me if you just search <laughs> yeah, Felix Sproul. It's, um, it's felix.sproul on Instagram and just the website is felix felixsproul.com. So yeah, if you stick it in anywhere, it shouldn't be, shouldn't be too hard to find. Well, look, I'll put all the links in here into the uh, description where people can find you. And I would really recommend go have a look at that calendar. You know, help him out. Get rid of the last hand, last few that he has there. I suppose you won't regret it because I think they're phenomenal images. Um, and it's been a phenomenal chat. I mean, look, I know we waited a number of months to have it, but I'm really happy that we did because I really enjoyed, you know, hearing your take on uh, photography and again you know talking about some of the images that you've taken uh, there as well I suppose in detail it's been fascinating conversation um, thanks a million man for coming on yeah thanks thanks very much Darren for for having me on the podcast it's been been a pleasure the hour and a half now just flew by um, it's a great way to, to spend a Monday evening and also fair yeah. place to your 150 episodes like a, I know it's probably a lot of work and Fair play to you for sticking at it for so long, and I would imagine it's a, a lot of work that you put into it. So well done on that that part of things. Oh, keep them coming. Cheers, man. Yeah, cheers, man. Thanks a million. I have a very, very understanding wife who allows me to do it. So you know what? I never underestimate the strength behind me in relation to that. But no, I really do uh, appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So look, um, we'll have to try and hook up there for a, a shoot. I know we did uh, last year actually in December, albeit briefly. But yeah, we'll have to up there now for a shoot over over winter definitely yeah? yes sounds sounds good let me know if you're ever up in this this part of the country and we can we can head out and yeah it's something. on my list man it's on my list it's on my, I mean, my list is probably isn't <laughs> as big as yours but it's definitely on my list anyway for sure man look uh felix it's been an absolute pleasure like i said um thank you very very much and i'll uh, hopefully see you soon so from me in cork to you in the beautiful galway slang fall bye hey guys if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.